Welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the insane world of Westeros and beyond. Good grief. Hello everybody. Happy 2023. This is Dragoncast. I'm Jamie East. And I'm Chris Mandel. And uh, this is what happens when the non-existent bumps against the decrepit. Who is who in that analogy, please? I'm the decrepit, obviously, because I'm that I'm decrepit. No, actually, there's no winner in there's no winner in this uh, in no. this thing. It's an insult. It is. Way you, it is. You try and get out of it. But happy yeah. new year. How are you doing? Uh, Good, yeah. It feels like ages since we've done this, and it, it has, it been, has ages, been a long time. So it's been, yeah, but I'm good. Great. I was. You were in New York before Christmas. I was. Yeah, I went to New York. How for, was that? It was lovely. It was really expensive. I don't think it was like the the, the exchange rate or anything. It was just like I took, I, one of the kids wanted to go to McDonald's and they wanted like a chicken sandwich. It was seven dollars, and I was just like, in what world is that? When did that happen? Yeah, well, pound saver menu. That was like the, the backbone of my uh, childhood. <laughs> exactly. And how was your Christmas? It was great, yeah. I went up to Cumbria. Everybody was ill. Everyone had like the, the like viral chest infection that we're not calling COVID, but everyone is catching from being in close proximity with each other. It was great though, really nice. And then it was my birthday last week. Do you know, it's one of those things though that you've, on the 3rd of January, which is my birthday, Everyone is so, like, just not in the mood. You have to really remind people it's a special day for me. Um, but it was nice. I actually had to work. Um, I was interviewing an actor. I can't tell you who at this point, but it was, it, was worth, it was worth it. That's all I would say. We had a message, actually, of someone asking, can we hear some more about the Charlie Cox story? Are we allowed to hear that yet? To those of you who don't know, on yes. the last episode we had, uh, Chris, Chris often yeah. uh, humble brags about... Um, <laughs> the a-listers that he's uh, it's classic kind of like uh, do a lot of work for charity but don't like to talk about it uh he interviews some yeah, of the world's biggest stars but before <laughs> before the embargo breaks so he's not allowed to tell us about it so yes so two bits of information now that christmas has been and gone yeah. so a lot of people wanted to know who the actor was that had his christmas tree up yes really early that was in fact luke evans so i was interviewing him in like the 21st of november and he was sat in front of his tree, fully lit, looking like he was about to do CBB's bedtime story kind of vibe. And I was like, well, you've already got your tree up. And it was basically because he was going away for Christmas. So he got it up so he could enjoy it nice and early. I see. Which I respect because I like to get my tree up early. Still but a it little was bit strange. Really early, yeah. So that was the, the mystery that is, I think it's been going on for about three episodes of Dragoncast now, is who had their tree up? Who had the tree it up? Was, in fact. It was Gaston. Gaston? 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 Indeed, yeah. yeah. He was great. I really enjoyed talking to him. It's the second thing. So in the last episode, I talked about Charlie Cox. Did I talk about interviewing him? Yeah. Yes. Daredevil, to those of you who don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Cox, uh, he was in this Netflix um, show over Christmas called Treason. That was what the embargo was attached to. Right. Um, and I also reviewed that. So I watched that just before our last episode. Um, maybe some people who listen to the podcast watched it. It dropped on Boxing Day. It's like a five-part spy drama featuring Una Chaplin, who was in Game of Thrones. Yep. 
Um, but I didn't really like it. I thought it was a bit of a... a um, yeah, you put me off watching it. I didn't watch it in the end. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's sort of... It's it's like they're all 40 minutes. There's five episodes. You could sort of rattle through it in two days but in betwixtmas. It's sort of perfect for that. Um, and I thought some of it was quite interesting, but it's just sort of constantly deciding it wants to be a different sort of show. Right. Every episode, it's like, actually, we're not spy, we're espionage. It's actually not this. It's actually like a domestic drama. Actually, it's not this. It's actually, and you know, and you're just like, mm, like, make your mind up. Yeah. Um, no, I get you. So, what did you? What did you? Did you watch anything over Christmas that you would recommend that you that you really enjoyed? Well, I did Slow Horses, which dropped on Apple TV Plus. On Still not done that yet. Yeah. I've done done season so, one, not done season two. Yeah. So we finished that like last week, I think the finale, because it's only six episodes. Right. Okay. We watched that last week, and it's pretty good. It's not as good as the first season. It's a lot of the cast are off doing separate things. I yeah. think it's a. It might be a COVID thing because it was filmed at the same time as season one. Olivia Cook is in it. Is she? Is she in it? She is in season one, but she's not in season two. Have I forgotten a plot point? Wasn't she in hospital or something at the end of season one? Yeah, not killed. It's, and I thought that was a really odd choice. Not killed, books, just filming House of the Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> she's obviously going to come back. She ain't going to come back now. Not unless something. <laughs> not unless something is going to happen to Alison. Uh, there's no way, right? No way. True. That. True. Uh, that a principal cast member of, of it's, it'd be like Kit Harrington appearing on uh, and Severance whilst Game of Thrones was still yeah. on. It just, I don't think HBO would have that. I think contracts would be pretty probably rigid. right. Probably right. It's a shame because she was good mm. in Slow Horses, but she's taken out of it quite quickly, isn't she? Yeah. Um, but the, the second season is really good. It's um, just everyone's split off, and it's the the, the sort of all of them in the office kind of squabbling is what's so great about it. So that is brilliant. And again, six episodes, like it's such a good length for a show. Um, yeah. But what they do every season, which I love is after season two, after the last episode, they show a trailer for season three. That is a good, that's it's deeply irritating, but really good marketing. I think it's really good. So yeah. what they do is I was talking to someone on uh, Twitter about this is that they did season one and two together. They filmed because when you've got six episodes a season, if you do two, that's 12. That's not that much more than no, 10, which is the sort of exactly. standard. So you can get away with it yeah. and spread the costs and that sort of thing. So they had all this footage to do a trailer even before season one came out. And then in that period since um, between season one and two, they've obviously shot some of season three. It's just so canny. Yeah. And I just think it's, you know, it's obviously not everyone can do that. Yeah. No, good you thing. But I just love it. I always, I it. it's something that's always fascinated me is when um, you see, and I never really know why they do this. And it must be a right, it got to, got to be a writing thing. You know, when you have a cliffhanger at the end of a season, mm-hmm. and then the following season, which is like 18 months, sometimes two years later, they pick up where it left off. I always just assumed that they, when they're filming the cliffhanger, they just film the next, they just film for a bit for like 10 minutes longer and have the resolution of that i think maybe sherlock or those those kind of things where you're left kind of wondering are they alive are they dead like like john snow in in you know exactly but they didn't but they they don't they They never they never ever do and i'm just like surely it's more economical and easier and for continuity for everything just to kind of like actually make the cliffhanger in the edit, not in the script, you know. And you, so you've you've got it all in the bag. That's anyway. That's yeah. I always wondered that, like especially with the Jon Snow thing. 
Because uh, also he cut his hair. That was the big thing that yeah. he was like, I'm not coming back. I've cut my hair. Yeah. But this actor I interviewed last week was telling me that um, he's on a TV show at the moment. And he said between filming, he's not allowed to shave because the beard has to be a certain length. So they like they have a specific set of clippers, all these rules, photos. So he has to look, you know, like... Bigfoot, basically, when he's not filming. There's a thing on. There's a documentary on Netflix that um, your man. Oh, fucking hell! It's called Stutz, and it's um, Jonah Hill. Uh, it's oh a yeah, documentary yeah. Where, he, where he interviews his therapist, and it's really, really good. Um, well, that sounds good. But there's a there's a there's a big reveal halfway through because it's the way it's shot, and this isn't a spoiler. Um, the way it's shot is very intimate. It's beautiful, kind of black and white, very expensive looking kind of documentary in a really nice like mid-century Californian kind of like house where it's all Eames furniture and you know the nice mm. the nice shit yeah and then anyway like halfway through Jonah Hill makes this big revelation where he's like I feel really bad because I don't feel like I'm being honest with the viewer here um like the way that the way that you're looking at this now makes it look like we've shot this over two days actually the scene that you watched just now was shot two years ago and we filmed the whole thing in front of green screen. And he clicks his fingers and it, it shows that they're in this, actually just in some random warehouse, like green screen studio. What? Yeah. And he goes, and worse than that, it's like, I've, I, I've had to wear this damn wig because I sh- I've shaved my head and like takes off this wig, which just likes, you know, he's got that really nice bleached blonde kind of grown out yeah, yeah, long yeah. hair, which is really nice. But he just like pulls off, yeah, I shaved my head and I've got to wear this fucking wig. And we've had to wear the same clothes. Like, just mental hollywood will never cease to amaze me yeah it was really what did you watch over christmas that um oh my god do you know what i was i really struggled to find anything to get my teeth into and in a drama Mm. uh drama-esque kind of thing there was nothing basically it's always difficult at christmas because all the families at home and there's such a wide range of ages and tastes and patients and you know all all the rest of it what actually happened was me, Mrs. East, and all the all the young Easts, we all ended up binging the traitors in like like most right. most of our Christmas day. We watched like I mean, we must have watched like five episodes of the traitors on Christmas wow. day. Uh, I'd, I'd purposely, and I think a lot of people get like this. If a show is like proclaimed to be fucking amazing by social media i'll almost yeah. refuse to watch it because i'll be the judge of that thank you very much yeah do you know what i mean i kind of like i ref- and so i'll almost like re- like repel the kind of that kind of show i but, yeah, I, but I simul- seen any of the but simultaneously so. managed to avoid any spoilers so yeah, yeah. thought i oh, would give it a watch you know there was nothing else we'd argued over like you know we tried to half watch a whole bunch of stuff and you know no one yeah. liked any of my choices and i was getting cross and you know all that kind of stuff so we watched one and it was just like holy shit this is just amazing it's like i don't know if i don't know if any of the other series will be as any good as as, as good as the first series because it was new it was fresh the format's good and all the mm-hmm. all the all the con, all the contestants in it were so like new to the format and didn't really play a game you know all of that kind of stuff so what because i i don't know what it's about it's basically have you ever, have you ever played have you ever played among us like yeah even it's basically murder it's like murder in the dark really it's it's a very very simple format but it's kind of fiendishly um brilliant to watch so claudia winkleman who's amazing as the host in it by the way like campus tits 
um, there's like I think there's like twenty contestants, or there's a, there's a lot of contestants. They all arrive, um, and three of the three of them are chosen as traitors uh, in secret, even from each other at first. And the rest are called faithfuls, and it's the faithfuls' job to weed out the traitors. Yeah, okay. and it's the traitors' job to murder a faithful every day. So, and at the end of it, they do these tasks, these kind of like Big Brother Crystal Maze esque tasks that, that mm. builds the prize pot up to like 120 grand. So it's a decent chunk, of ca- junk chunk of cash, and it's, you're left with like a final three or final four. Okay, and if they've managed to successfully get rid of all the traitors then they share the cash together however if there's one traitor that's remained that traitor wins everything and it's about Ooh. and it's and it's like you know it's just deceit and lying and subterfuge yeah. and uh, you know there's people like it's all like oh i know that they won't be a traitor because they're such a lovely human being and we as viewers know that they are and you're like oh my god it's amazing it's, 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 yeah so you do the viewers know yeah we're, we're, you're, that's the weird thing at first you think oh, i'd rather not know but it's it's much better to be to be complicit because it's to be yeah. complicit in it. it's like it's like um it's like colombo we already we already know yeah. who the murderer is in colombo at the beginning we see the act it's just that then we're drawn into the the story it's it's, yeah. it's really clever and, and it, very very it's good. very like though you know you've got a drama it's better if the audience knows more than the characters 100% it's like the, yeah, yeah. the circle was such a success yes. because we could see that someone was like oh i'm like a 19 year old like supermodel yeah. it was like a pervy old man like there's there's yeah. there's something <laughs> representation <laughs> um but yeah so that's okay that's really good to know I, yeah. I feel like i just missed the boat i want to yeah i, I, I think you could probably watched it while everyone was talking about nah, it no i think you can just enjoy it you and you um, should just sit yeah. down and put it on anyway we um yeah we're about to we're very close to the end of our sopranos rewatch oh my god like, oh, amazing nearly at the end of part one of season six oh, shit, so no, it's, it's 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 pretty intense it's, isn't it it's amazing. It just blows my mind. So we're kind of like arguing, not arguing, civil debate about what the next old show is. Cause we always have an old show on the go. Yeah. And then like something new. Has I'm Rob really joined you on the airway? On the... On the airway? No, no, okay. no. I watch it when he's out. Okay. He kind of, I think he might have watched season one though. It's right. not really his thing. Okay. I don't think it's really his yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, very looking forward to discussing that in our OA episode. Yeah, that's bo- that bonus one will be coming up uh, tomorrow or something. OA episode five, which is pretty fucking amazing. Thank you to everyone that voted. Uh, we're now into season three of our Game of Thrones rewatch. And the episodes that you all chose were season three, episode four. Uh, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. And now his watch has ended. Episode. The, yeah. Then episode, episode seven. seven, which is the oh my god, uh, the bear and fair maiden, and the bear and the maiden, bear fair. and the maiden fair rather, and then episode and of nine, course, the reigns of Castamere. the reigns of Castamere. Uh So we're going to crack on now with um, with and now his watch has ended. Uh, but if you need a bit of a recap, here is that exact recap from our sister podcast previously on. See you in a sec. We pick up where we left off with one-time Hand of the King Jamie missing his king of a hand. He rides broken, mocked by his captors. Falling exhausted from his horse, he manages to grab a sword from one of the men but is quickly beaten. In the north, Bran shares a dream with Jojen that he's running through a forest. They see the three-eyed raven and Jojen tells Bran he should follow it. 
As Bran climbs a tree, he sees Catelyn who grabs him and shouts at him to stop climbing, and Bran falls. Elsewhere in the north, Theon is being led through the woods by the same man who freed him from the dungeon and later killed his attackers. They're headed for Deepwood Mott, where the man says Yara, Theon's sister, is waiting for him. Upon entering a passageway into the castle, Theon tells the man he didn't kill the Stark boys. He's then led into the exact same dungeon he was previously freed from and seized by the guards, much to the delight of the clearly insane man who'd earlier pretended to save him. Down in King's Landing, Varys meets the prostitute Roz and learns that Littlefinger may be planning to take Sansa with him when he leaves for the Eyrie. Varys later meets with Olena Martell to share his concerns regarding this. Considering Littlefinger one of the most dangerous men in Westeros, he ponders what power he might have should he marry Sansa, who's the key to the North. Elsewhere, Marjorie and Sansa form the first bonds of friendship. Marjorie tells her that when she's queen, she'd like Sansa to marry her brother Loras. North of the Wall, tensions are even higher than usual at Craster's Keep. Some of the Night's Watch accuse Craster of keeping the food for himself and his girls. Taking great offence, he grabs a nearby axe and threatens them. All hell breaks loose and Craster is stabbed in the throat by a brother of the Night's Watch. Jor Mormont draws his sword but is betrayed and killed by Rast. Sam flees the mutiny to find Gilly and the baby and the three of them escape. In the Riverlands, Arya, Gendry and the Hound are taken to the Brotherhood without Banner's hideout. They're met by the leader of the Brotherhood, Beric Dondarrion, previously commanded by Ned to bring the Mountain to justice. The Hound is branded a murderer and despite his argument that he was acting on orders, is sentenced to fight Beric in a trial by combat. Over the sea in Astapor, Daenerys brings Krasnys, the largest of her dragons, Drogon, as payment for the unsullied army. During the exchange, Krasnys insults Daenerys in his native Valyrian tongue again while struggling to control Drogon. When Daenerys responds in fluent Valyrian, this in fact being her mother tongue, Krasnys is left dumbstruck. Daenerys then commands her new army to take Astapor, kill the slavers and soldiers and free every slave they find. Drogon is commanded to kill Krasnys. Daenerys frees the Unsullied from slavery and asks them to fight for her as free men. The army pound their spears on the ground in support and together leave Astapor. For me, Chris, this... I don't know if you... Weirdly, I realised watching this episode that... Um, in my mind, there there's almost like there's different eras of Game of Thrones. Yeah, and we're now entering. I think what's kind of arguably the golden era of Thrones. Now, this is like this seems to be. I was watching it, thinking, well, it feels as though we've really moved on, even from Blackwater, which was only theoretically like four or five episodes yeah. in. Yeah, and but we also feel a million miles away from where it ends up still. Um, yeah. But it felt like classic, classic Game of Thrones. It felt like every, yeah. all of the, all of the characters are there now pretty well established or you know, with the exception of, of, of like your, your, um, your grey joy fella. Um, and a few others that, you know, we've seen Ramsey, you know, all of, all of those kind of things. It, it just felt very much like this is the Game of Thrones that set the world alight, you know? Yeah. What did, yeah. You, what did you think? I remember, <clears throat> I remember season three being the one where it felt like everybody was watching it. Yeah. And yeah, 
excuse me. I, I actually thought the same thing when I was watching it as you did just there, which is it, I feel like you can break it down into phase one, phase two, phase three. That's and it. I feel phase, like we're at the, yeah, almost phases, at the, the yeah. end of phase one, which to me culminates in the Red Wedding. Everything up to the Red Wedding is like the first bit. Yeah, that's the second enough. bit is like four, five, six, and then the final bit is seven and eight. And so it's it's like everything's well established. We're seeing really interesting combinations of people playing off against each other, which yeah. is really the best part, I think. Um, and there's lots of callbacks, uh, which we'll get into, but like um, Clegane killing the butcher's boy way back in episode two, like yeah. that comes back because Arya accuses him of murder. That's now led to a trial. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of things where it's just, yeah, ricocheting and things kind of firing against each other, um, which makes it just so satisfying. But I remember this as being the episode. I mean, I've, I loved it yeah. already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a specific kind of show. Um, and this episode is where it literally gets quite explosive uh, with the dragons. The dragons get, you know, sort of weaponized for the first time. I yeah. think this is the first time they they kind of uh, unleashed and that is a uh, game changing you suddenly realize when they're really small Daenerys is able to sort of destroy a small town yeah and and fuck people over well, and suddenly it's just the, the potential for the show is just off the charts isn't it yeah I mean the closing scene um is amazing she, you know Daenerys goes from from zero to to an actual all of a sudden you realise she, she's she's a real credible threat to the throne now. You know, all she needs to do is yeah. figure out a way of getting over the bloody sea. And yeah. uh, which 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 actually ends up taking quite a few quite a few seasons yet. Um, quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, the size of the army, uh, size of the unsullied and, and, and actually like you say, weaponizing uh, these dragons. Uh, and also and also having a having a taste for for vengeance and violence as well. Yeah. See yeah. And don't want to drag it up, but this is the Daenerys that we ended up with. This is this is where it all began. This what yeah. we ended up with should not have been a surprise to you. She was right there. She was right there <laughs> it was all along. It was communicated. It was communicated. It was the interesting thing I think is, um, and it's our fault as an audience, but it's also the way that she's been written so far. Is we didn't think she was going to double cross people. We thought, mm. you know, when you've got this sort of like very. Um, like when you've got someone who is very conscious, like driven, yeah. but is that I'm on the side of right here. You think, oh, you're going to like win people over with hearts and minds, which she does do, right? All of those unsullied, she's like, you don't work for me, but you can come with me. And they come with her, not because she's paying them, not because she owns them. She, they come with, they follow her yeah. because they believe in her. And that is the, that is the, the key thing here, because like we've seen on the show, People buy the Golden Company or sell swords, or that's yeah. fine. What wins over what? What? How you conquer is through hearts and minds. And she well, that did was, that in this episode, and that but, was the. And I think that was a key kind of um, uh, juxtaposition was the fact that we saw Daenerys do that and win them over mm -hmm. by by the fact that she that they, that they believe in her, and yet we also there was a conversation with Tyrion. And uh, yada yada uh, earlier on, Varys. Varys about um, about the fact that, that there was skint and that the 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 iron the the, the bank uh, would would just would just fund their enemies and just you know there was no yeah. there's no there's there's no loyalty where where 
where the Lannisters are concerned, it's all about the yeah. money. And whereas with Daenerys yeah. at the end, we see that it's, it's about belief and, and, it's and, about so and a moral cause can... and, and all the rest of it, yeah. <clears throat> Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah, he, the way he watches her when she's like destroying Astapor, it is like she is the second coming. Yeah. It's like he is, I mean, he obviously fancies her, but like there is this awe and it's amazing. And the music is so good. And it's, you're like, oh shit, she's yeah. just going for it. Um, so it's, it's really a really good episode, really strong episode um, to sort of kick off our rewatch of season yeah. three. Um, One of my favorites. It's just I actually had to go back and watch I watched the previous episode first because because sometimes it's difficult to remember exactly where where we've how yeah. we, how we've reached this point. The one the one before this was was Jamie losing his hand. So we um, which was obviously yeah. quite a pivotal moment for him uh, as it I would be. I didn't remember that being so early in the season. Yeah, I it was it was and also happened. I seem to I, I, in my mind again, you know the old Mandela effect in my mind I thought it happened kind of like the same time as he was in the bear pit and you know but but that kind of got Mm. confused but um but yeah so we we start this episode uh seeing Jamie pretty much as low as he gets uh throughout um throughout thrones you know he starts off as the cocky uh incestual handsome prince and and gradually kind of gets there again but um but this is him at his at his rock bottom where yeah. he's kind of falling off horses kind of like with a fever he's lost his sword hands you know he, he attempts covered to, in shit covered in shit <laughs> attempts to kind of like attempts to fight back realizes that 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 with his right hand is nobody you know or you know mm. or his left hand whatever it is for a brief you know for, for well for not for a brief moment you thought that jamie was gonna we all thought that Jamie Lannister was going to desert Cersei and fight for the cause. Do you remember? You know, there was a there was yeah. a, there was for a long time. He's going to be the guy that actually um, double crosses uh, the Lannisters. In 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 the end, uh, he he doesn't really. Um, mm. uh, it, I, holy shit! I've just remembered. He has that awful book written about him, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's like a ledger oh. for all of the um, all the the all song the, of ice and um, fire, the, the fucking book. Yeah, no, there's like a ledger for is it called the white book or something? And it's like all the, yeah. the members of the King's of what happens and stuff was, like that. No, but what I mean is yeah. that like the 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 book that Brienne, like the last scene of the last episode, where Brienne's writing of, in the book and rewrites yeah. his history, and like he turns it over. Oh my. Anyway, that's that's. Well. I think that is the book where it's like the record of all the people who served in the Kingsguard, yeah. And he's not in it because he was like the Kingslayer. We're going to get told off for not remembering. We've had a few people going. It really winds me up when you two just sit there trying to remember things. <laughs> uh, to that person, I'm really sorry. Just watch all the episodes, yeah. you two. You exactly, idiots. That's what we're. This is the thing, but you know. We'll get well. We will get to that point. I think that's that's that is the problem with us uh, only watching some of the episodes. Like I think where people like going mad at us because we couldn't remember uh, about the dagger. Who Catelyn takes the all of that shit. We had a lot. I think people are mad. I just think we're. Oh no! Someone was very mad. Someone was very very mad. Jamie and Brienne basically are just covered in shit, drinking horse piss, having an awful time. Yeah. And they've been captured by... They're, you watched the last episode. It's, his name is Vargo 
Hote. Yeah, and they're, and he, they're Stark men, are they? They're, they're Northerners. They're just Northerners, uh, yeah. Technically, because they, I think they work for the Boltons. Right. But obviously the Boltons are technically working for the Starks. Yeah. But what they're now doing by this point, they are getting ready for the Red Wedding, I think. So yeah. they're sort of wild cards. They're these, you know... They're not really playing by the rules. They're not. They're just. They're fodder. Treating Jamie yeah. like shit. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's kind of scary, I think, for him is that he was like, at least with the Starks, he was, you know, not not sort of kept in nice in nice environments, but he was treated delicately because he was quite an important um, yeah. captive. These guys are like, drink let's just shit. make him drink piss. And yeah. I was watching it thinking, how the fuck is that wound not infected? Yeah. Well, that's how? exactly what I was thinking. There is no iodine. If you chopped someone's hand off, you would just die from the shock, wouldn't you? I mean, you read about like fucking tree surgeons in America that like carry their own arm back to the hospital after putting it through a chipper, don't you? And stuff like that. Well, not very often, I admit, but you know, uh, but yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd expect that, that, um, that there's pseudocrem is not big in Westeros, but he's in in, in a low ebb and will continue to be in this state for most of the season. This is his redemptive season. Exactly. We find out. There's, I, th- I, can't, I think it's. I don't think it's on our rewatch, but um, when they are, in, they're having a bath. I can't remember why. Well, they do have a bath. I think it's they? when they go to back to they go back to Harrenhal, and he confesses to Brienne. He's like, "Look, everyone thinks I just murdered the king because I'm like a cunt, but I murdered him because he was planning on blowing up the city with all the wildfire." Yeah, and we realise that he is virtuous in a way. Yeah. Um, it's a good season for Jamie. I like this season a lot. Um, but he's such a... Ha- Nikolai Kostowolju, such a handsome man. And he, you just would not know it this last two seasons. Just miserable, yeah. dirty, smelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the best of us. Um, yeah. That's, that's me at Glastonbury. That's how I look. <laughs> yeah, that's Sunday afternoon, isn't it? When Diana Ross has walked off and everyone's just like, what is life? Staggering yeah. through hospitality, <laughs> trying to get a free drink. <laughs> The Varys thing, um, what was the point of the sorcerer uh, uh, moment where he's revealed to be in the in the chest? Two things, I think. First of all, Varys hates magic. Um, right, okay. That's why he was so against Stannis. Uh, in, and that's what he said to Tyrion. Because of the Red Woman, he doesn't like any magic. Awful. But also, I think, just a bit of context into like into his psyche, how fucked yeah. up he is. Because I think sometimes, especially when you see him later in the episode with Roz, where they're like gossiping about like Littlefinger, he does seem like a sort of catty old woman. Yeah. Uh, just stirring his tea and having a chit-chat. But that scene with the sorcerers, where you realise he's actually a sadistic vengeful and very dangerous person we don't and see it that often he, with him though do we because he does kind of no. Varys was very well played but i think quite badly written um he didn't yeah he never really seemed to have a lot to do no there wasn't i mean unless i'm unless again don't shout at me if i've forgotten something but was what was the point of Varys throughout the game of thrones what was the, what did he do? You know, everyone did, everyone did something, didn't they? What was his act in Game yeah, of Thrones that yeah, justified yeah. his reason for being there? Well, I think a big part of the appeal of the show is you don't know who's working with who. And so you need right. some people that are, you know, that are just there. And yeah. he is, I don't, obviously not at this point, but he begins to support Daenerys 
he takes Tyrion over to yeah, Pentos to sort of game. So he is kind of uh, yeah, a sort of working around. And in the okay, I mean, we, I, do you know what? I'm not even I'm not even going to finish that sentence. I was going to say in the books. <laughs> not going to do it. It's not a book podcast. It's not a, book, it's not a fucking book, not a book podcast, book is it? We've already been but told I, that. I, I think he's. I think he's a, a great character, actually. Um, I think he's complicated. Um, I love his relationship with Tyrion. It's very sort of, like, fun. But, yeah, he's just constantly, like, engineering stuff behind the scenes. And, obviously, later in the episode, he meets uh, or hangs out with Olena Tyrell, yeah. the Queen of Thorns. That's a crazy, uh, and that, they was a good, of, that was a good scene. They plot, See, I think know, my, just, my take is that he, he is, a, is valid to the, to the show, because what he does is he draws things out of other people and gives other people opportunities yes, to do yeah, these great yeah. speeches and to, to do these acts like Tyrion going over to Daenerys and Elena there. He, mm. You know, Elena wouldn't have spoken like that with anybody else in the show. No. So it was, no. it's a, he's a good conduit for great plot, I think. Is, is good. And he's really good at bringing out sides of other people. So he's really good in this episode because he makes you realise that Elena is like a bit of Tywin, but also a bit of a Varys herself. Yeah. She's got a bit of fire in her belly. She's really smart with PR, really powerful. You, you know, he kind of um, like is like an axe, like a seasoning. He sort of accents other characters. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm seeing a new side to you. Um, and yeah. There was so much that happened in this episode. It was another one of those Game of Thrones episodes yeah. where... Not a shot was spoiled, but there was like, we managed to cram in. Because I'm just looking at my kind of like notes. And like, we've oh. already done Jamie. Then was Tyrion and Varys. And then we go to Gilly and Sam, uh, which is I like, mean, which I, is, right. Is Gilly and, <laughs> Gilly and Sam, are they, and correct me, maybe with the exception of, uh, of Rob and um, Una Chaplin, uh, character names names games me with the exception of them Talisa, I think. are these two the oh no actually they don't count because are these the one true love story of game of thrones that have a happy ending mm. everybody else oh that's interesting i can't interesting, i yeah. can't think of another couple or union that doesn't end in betrayal or death no it's true it's a weird one because yeah i think you're right i you mentioned with Varys, like, what was the point? I kind of think, what's the point of Gilly? Like, there's no, nothing really, I found that, that one of, just, just well, generally, just one of the hardest I think that Gilly's, Gilly's point is because she makes a man of Sam, and she gives Sam a reason to become what he becomes, which isn't, yeah. which isn't much, yeah. but he gives the, he gives... In the in the words of uh, Jack Nicholson, in as good as he gets, uh, he makes Sam want to be a better man. That's true. That is true. But it's amazing. I think this particular episode is a good example of. I mean, everyone is in it except Rob. Yeah, that's true. Rob Stark. Yeah, Catelyn is in it in a, in Bran's dream, but like that storyline is not kind of. Oh, happening. that was I'd forgotten about but, that, and that must have been that must have been the last time that she shot a scene with any of the children. Yeah. Which yeah. is quite sad. But, like, what I would say is when you rewatch, uh, and I feel the same about the Theon thing this season, it's like, I know everyone's contracted to do a certain amount of work, but, like, did we need another Theon, another episode where he gets chased and beaten up? And, and I mean, back. it's very important in terms of Theon admits that Bran and Rickon are still alive. Yeah. He really quickly goes back on what he says to Ramsay initially, where he's like, oh, yeah, I hate the Starks. He goes, no, they were actually my family. 
I, I, my, my, my own family don't really care about me and, and I've, I've fucked up. I've got no other choice. Yeah. So it's important, but also all season, Theon just gets like repeatedly castrated or and it, I mean, was that was that just someone, but you know. Was that just to start um, Ramsey's kind of, you know, storyline as being yeah. the, the ultimate loony? I think probably. Yeah, and again, yeah. like, don't... Don't want to invoke the book clause, but all of this happens off page in the books. He disappears oh, does for like two oh, books. Okay. Oh, and then okay. he comes back and he's Reek and you're like, who is this? And then you realise Reek is Theon and he's just been like mentally just like broken distorted. by... Yeah, yeah. yeah, but and they obviously, you know, when you do a TV show, you can't just release Alfie Allen from his contract for a year. Like, because, you know, <laughs> so you have to have him around. And I think they thought... Well, maybe they did this it to Gendry. But, they well, did. yeah, yeah, but I guess he's... Probably a guest, you know, he's like a recurring part. Yeah, 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 true. Um, And then Um, there was a lot of serious stuff that kind of happened in this episode. But then in the middle of it, there's the the, the, what's now the legendary Podrick, um, which you know follows him around like a glorious smell for the rest of his uh, yeah. Podrick and his moves and his and his and his. What do you think? What do you think? That's literally what I've written down. What did Chris think he did in there? (laughs) Okay, let's just look at the evidence. It can't. It can't just be a finger up the bum, Chris. It's not a size thing, is it? Because they say it's no, not bigger than the average. It's not a size thing. It's not an energy thing. And flexibility, imagination. Do you think he invented... No, I was going to say, do you think he goes down on them? But doesn't Jon Snow do that to Egret? And she's like, oh, I've never had that done to us before. Is that a southern trick? <laughs> I'm sure Which that it happens is. in the cave. Which it is, as we all know. Yeah, um, but I thought maybe that's it. But then I thought I just don't understand. It's so funny because they sort of really go out of their way to mention that like everyone's obsessed with Podrick. Podrick's shagging moves. I don't know I, the wheelbarrow. I don't know. My, my mind's at a blank. I don't know what they seem pretty advanced. You should get the actor on. He's a good lad as well. He is a good lad. What do, we need to get? What do you think Podrick was doing? Well, this is a question for the listeners. Um, we don't want any Pornhub links. Just no. just a, a tweet that could be read out in a family podcast, such as such as Dragoncast. Yeah. What what is the move that that Podrick? What's Podrick's special move? We've all got a special move. What's Podrick's? That's what we want to know. I just don't understand. I don't understand. And you know what? We'll we'll we'll, we'll allow people to have a think about that whilst we go and have a word for our sponsors. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Welcome back. Are you still thinking of Podrick's cock? If not, you should be. Uh, don't forget to tweet mm. us. Um, we j- if we're doing this chronologically, something happens now that that we need to discuss whether we talk about or not because we yeah, we do need to talk about. We this. get yeah, to I know exactly what you're going to say. We meet Joffrey, uh, who is uh, absolutely construct uh, with Marjorie. Uh, who's yeah? Marge, who, who Natalie Dormer plays an absolute blinder in this episode. Fucking by far, she's so absolute soar away success. Um, but and I think there were two kind of spoilers. Huge, huge House of Dragon spoilers. Um, now, Chris, what's your take on whether we discuss this? Uh, we're covering the episode, so I think we owe it to. We, we have to mention it. We have to talk about it because yeah. it, we, we're all, we all, everyone who's watching alongside with us, look, we all know. We all know what happens what we're now. Talk about. Yeah. So, so. Uh, and actually I was, I'd forgotten about it and I was kind of like, I knew it was coming. Um, and then when he, when he said it, I was like, oh, that actually hasn't spoiled House of the Dragon for me. In fact, it's made me more intrigued and kind of excited to see how they play it. So let's get it out there. Joffrey is pointing down to the dragon pit. No, the the, the crypt. They're below, in the below, sept of Baylor. Below the sept of Baylor. Yeah, there's a crypt where the, the royal family are, are buried. Essentially. Yes, and he tells a story about uh, Rhaenyra uh, Targaryen. Uh, her remains are down there because she was murdered by her half brother Aegon the Second. Yep. Eaten by the dragon, I think he said, didn't he? Or murdered by the. His- Fed her to his dragon. So I actually, I did know about this because just before, when House of the Dragon started, I wrote a piece for GQ about the fact that there's quite a lot of spoilers. Yeah. About what happens to the Targaryens and the Dance of the Dragons and so on and so forth in Game of Thrones. So I kind of knew about it. So I've sort of known for a little while. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because they just didn't know at the time that they were going to spin this out into a TV show. Um, I when I interviewed Emma Darcy last year, they said to me that they saw Rhaenyra's whole story as that of an anti-hero. Oh. Uh, it's sort of similar to a Walter White or a you know Tony Soprano. Okay. And I think when you view it in that light, this this becomes a really compelling yeah story. You yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is I, actually knowing how it ends is weirdly more compelling to me. Yeah. Because this person is going to presumably get worse and worse, and it really makes me excited for where House of the Dragon is going to go. Yeah, so also- I'm just trying to... I can't, I can't see. I'm looking at the wiki of Ice and Fire uh, and can't actually see what his dragon is called. Sunfire? Oh, yeah. Which, is it the I yellow one? I don't know if we've met... One. Have we met that dragon yet? Maybe, I maybe. I think only not? in, like, group, in like you know, broad in shots. I don't think it's been... The thing it also, I would say, is that... Um, it is in source material that this is what happens, but it takes place like 200 years, 100 and odd years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. It might go down very differently to how it's recorded in the history books, bearing in mind that Aegon II probably wrote the account of what happened. In the, so in the book that we've read, do, in, the, not, in, that, in that night golden yeah, book. Listen, yeah, yeah. The, the, winners, the winners decide what the story looked like, and yeah. obviously it's always going to be skewed towards them. So I'm not saying they will change it, but I think it's a compelling point to make, which is that like... Yeah hearing about how it is down the line and what goes down could be very different things. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, it's funny. I, Marjorie and, and Joffrey, though, another great sort of pairing. Mm. Um, obviously, we saw her a little bit in season two with Renly. She's since been sort of paired off with Joffrey. Sansa's been yeah. chucked. And Marjorie kind of, I got like such Princess Diana energy off her in this episode. Did like you? People love her. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, folk the, like, the waving at the crowd. Yeah. And oh. and Joffrey sees this and goes, and he seems genuinely quite, uh, you know, enraptured by her. Like she possesses some sort of sway over people that he hasn't been able to get through fear. I think it's called a vagina. And it's called, it's a, called a vagina. She, yeah. she, he, he's, she, she's pretty wily with her she knows she I, I think Cersei mentioned it in a previous episode where it's just kind of like she, she knows that uh, that he can be easily swayed by Marjorie just because she's so in comparison to Sansa who was his first kind yeah. of um, uh, you know his first betrothed who was obviously you know the big discussion has she bled yet and all you know she's very virginal and not mm. yet become a woman all of a sudden you've got Marjorie who knows exactly what to do who knows exactly how to yeah. gain a man's interest and, and has all the tools at her disposal in which to do that you know it's it's no wonder poor joffrey must his head must have been all over the bloody shop yeah but you know she's clever because she does sometimes does this like oh i'm just like a stupid woman like explain it to me yeah and which she's obviously way smarter than him yeah and he she defers to him in a way that really appeals to yeah. his like inherently like sexist, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, male dominated hundred percent. But yeah. I just think it's it's like there's so many layers to it. I think Cersei is like really freaked out by how good she is with Joffrey. Yeah, well, there's that moment where, that, like, where she, Cersei almost like goes to step forward when they were opening the doors, and yeah. you could just see on her face she was just like, shit, that was good. She's just brilliant. Yeah. It's just really and then and then in contrast to Sansa, who was very docile and very sort of like malleable, but also too naive. I think she she just Joffrey found it quite she was too pliant. Whereas Marjorie's yeah. got this like this push and pull to her that I think he's just utterly captivated but by. I think um, he felt like they were a team. That was the thing. It was that that whole kind of like yeah. she was holding his hand, she was like, right, you know, do this, wave and she was like and he was kinda of like, Yes, look what a double act we are, what a union. It's really yeah. Charles and Camilla for mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, let, and then let's, later let's, see let's have no Charles Camilla, Harry William, anything. No. Absolutely not. not. Week, for God's um sake. and then Marjorie also has been very instrumental in coercing Sansa to come with them and marry uh, Laura. Yes. So then that was the that was the the uh the scene and the all the, those kind of like are, are men allowed on that bridge wherever it is that that, that kind of like that kind of perimeter wall of king's king's landing yeah. like it always just seems to be flowers and people doing embroidery th- doesn't it i think my understanding was that there's a because santa's a northerner there's a god's a god a, a tree there that oh, she can pray at right. so it's almost like they've built her like a little um, but yeah, in theory, it's just, it's, it's like the sort of smoke, it looks like the smoking area of like a <laughs> but like outside Spanish nightclub. Where it's just like <laughs> everyone just doing shots. Just like, oh. But I, I, I love, I love all of this bit where the, um, Tyrells are trying to get Sansa to marry into them. Cause she, but they, you know, they, they think Bran and Rickon are dead. They, yeah. they there is a feeling that Rob's not going to like survive. So she's the key to the North and everyone wants her. And obviously what we know is that like, she tells Littlefinger, she might not go with him. Yeah. He ends up telling the Lannisters they marry her to Tyrion. To, and it's it's so, like... Yeah, it all starts... It, it's just... I love it. It's This is all the stuff I love, all these, like, interfamilial, like, chess pieces moving around. Yeah. I think it's just so... 
Um, so, so good. Great. And just, just was porridge plague as well was just such a great turn of phrase. <laughs> I just loved that. But how many times does Sansa just get filled full of false hope? It's just, you know, it's know. so often she just looks it's like... not a so, great season for her. So eager and the- She doesn't have many great seasons, to be fair. The, no. I mean, when does I she, when does she finally that- escape Ramsay? That's not for a while yet, is it? Season five season five season six season six because season six is the battle of the bastards yes there you go so it's like you know we're only in season three she's got another three seasons of just being miserable i think um i think yeah i think also the stuff when she's like taking control and like badass i think it's a bit heavy-handed i always found it a bit like i get that you're trying to Everyone, I, th- I feel like the show tries to write her. It was a bit Taylor Swift encore, wasn't it? It was a little yeah. bit like, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard because the show has built this universe where women don't have a lot of agency mm. uh, unless they're sort of pulling the strings in a marriage. And obviously, without her doing that, you're like, well, let's have her like. I don't know. I just I find what they I find it hard. I mean, it's necessary, but I'm really not looking forward to season five where she's yeah. just like having an awful time. Yeah. Um, yeah, tough for her, but I think, you know, ends up being quite interesting at the end. Before we get to Daenerys' uh, section, which we've already already spoken, there we, we had North again for, for two kind of sections. There was the, the big mutiny uh, with uh, mm. at Craster's Keep. Uh, now, I've got to tell you a, a very freaky story. I, oh, I yes. I watched this on um, on Saturday lunchtime. Rewatched this Saturday okay. lunchtime, and fucking loved it, and really enjoyed this bit. I went to a showbiz party on Saturday night, full of actors, nice. full of actors at Soho House. Met Keir Starmer. Uh, that's by the by. Um, what what we got to come back. To what this. really what really took my breath away was and freaked me out completely is that the actor that murder that kicks off the mutiny in this episode, I turned around in, in, in Soho House on Saturday night and he was stood right next to me and looked exactly the same. It was really kind of like, oh my God. The guy that shaved that short hair. Uh, Burn Gorman, his name is. Uh, Sounds more like a Game of Thrones character. Yeah, yeah, character. exactly. And he played... Um, Rast, know, is it? Yeah, he played uh, Rast in, in Game of Thrones, who was the... Um, He's just got that face of a Chilling. real good face of a villain. And he was stood next to me in, and it really, because I'd literally like two hours, two hours before watched it. What are the chances of that happening? I know there's, I don't believe him. But also it's not like he's a huge, I'm so, no offense to him, Burn, but it's not like he's in like loads of stuff at the moment, is he? Well, I I, really no, know. but look at it, looking at his discography, he is, he has worked fucking steadily for a long time. Did you talk to him? No. But I know, like, it was at a birthday party, so I know we've got a mutual friend, and I was thinking, actually, mm. maybe we should try and see if he fancies coming on. Uh, well, maybe for season four, because he's, you know, they go back, don't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the mutiny is sort of, they capture Bran and Hodor yeah. and stuff, don't they? Um, we should get him on for that. So, yeah, that completely freaked me out. But um, I was always a bit confused with the crested kind of mutiny. Why were they, who gave a shit about him? Why didn't they just kill him? This is going to be where people remind me that I should have paid attention. And, and well, let me let's just talk. Well, no, it's understandable because we're sort of jumping around a bit. I think personally, I think a lot of the stuff north is um, quite ineffective. 
generally, I think... Um, oh, Kit Harrington wasn't in this episode, was he? No, he was not, no. He's with Mance Raider. That's where he is. Yeah, he's with Mance and Egret and uh, also... Egret, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the guy that fancied Brienne for the rest of it. Torment. Torment, yeah. So let's just go over this. So basically, there was this big massacre at the Fist of the First Men what's left of the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. make it back to Cressler's Keep. This is a sort of safe place before they get back to the wall because they've still got a, lo- a little bit to go. Yeah. It's quite near, but it's like somewhere where they can rest. They can Their horses can have a lie down or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of important in that space, but Craster yes. is has just got a, a very curious position of power. Yeah, but it's it, it, sort of protected from the White Walkers because he gives them his... But we, yeah, because we sons. learn that he sacrifices his, his, his sons. But... The Night's Watch could think, this guy's a fucking wrong un. Kill him. Let the daughters live out their days. Like, has, you know, I'll tell you what, just keep this functioning. Keep this running. We'll, we'll use it as a halfway house. Everyone's happy. Very weird. Very weird. That's a good point. I find them, yeah, the mutiny thing, it's it's difficult because you're sort of like, Jaw Mormon dies. And it's like, he really does help keep things together. And it's like, he's a good guy. And it is, it's... A difficult. It, it's, it sows the seeds for the the rebellion against John and and, and allows the Night's yeah. Watch watch to be. But I find it hard. Sick. I find it like just not that interesting, uh, compelling, compelling. Personally, yeah. okay. fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, his sister wives. I don't know where they go after this. I presume, presume they just sort of. Yeah, what happened to the oh. what happened to the rest of the girls? Maybe that's because Craster does get killed soon no he gets killed in this episode didn't he didn't he get killed yeah he gets yeah. killed but then when they no when um rast and is it carl the other lad yeah. does, does the mutiny they sort of we go back there in season four and it's really grim because they're just all like shagging craster's daughters oh. wives there was a brief scene with a hound with the um yeah brother with the brotherhood banners. banners like doric bun uh Do- Beric, Dondarrion. Beric Dondarrion, a brilliant character. But Brotherhood Without Banners are fun. They're a good addition. They are all like, they don't have sigils. They've banned, they're, they're sort of like merry men, Robin Hood merry men yes. sort of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're good, a good sort of component and they're like a good, you know, this is quite, I remember being very excited by this because it's like, oh, the hound's finally going to pay. Yeah. And then the hound kind of rightfully says like, sorry, what are you accusing me of? Because you're just pissed at my brother for murdering a load of people. I've just been following the king's orders or the prince's orders, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I love that. But, yeah, there's just so much, isn't there? So it's, much. It's a lot I think of, it's the next episode of... we see the actual, see the trial by combat. And that's when, yeah. that's when he comes back to life. Comes back to life. Yeah. I, I love that character. And I love the fact that... You know, it's the whole. You can't. You know, you take you take something. You have to give something. And like, the, how kind of mm-hmm. like you see him just getting a slightly more madder and losing bits of himself. As, yeah, the, losing bits. The of more himself. times he he resurrects, it's just great. And it's also what I find interesting about this is it's very magic, very supernatural, mm. and yet it's sort of you just take you just go okay, yeah. you can come back to life. Yeah. Okay, get, like I, I don't understand, and it, no one really like, questions I'd it. Love yeah. No, because it's just like, well, you are alive. So I guess what we, you know, but, it's really interesting how easy some of this is. But they have, um, they had to do this because otherwise we would never, ever have accepted in a million years that Jon Snow could just like, oh, we're just going to bring him back to life. 
Yeah, and it's important because they um, he follows the red god. That's his Rollo. Yeah, that's the same person that Melisandre yeah. is sort of in in service to. And so, yeah, you start to get this sense of like death is not the end. Like this all yeah. this is yeah. This is not a world where any of this makes sense. But like, is it because the dragons have been born? Is there something about the White Walkers? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, something is kind of going on that's allowing this to happen. A great episode. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, everybody that picked it. And obviously it ends with, yeah, as we've already discussed, Daenerys uh, trotting off with her unsullied and, and now uh, we only see, yeah, and her dragons. Um, which one have we got next? We've got episode seven the next. And the Maiden the Fair. And the Maiden I'm Fair. actually just going to just jump in and yeah. just check what happens. It looks like an interesting one, actually. We've got... Um, We've got Theon getting castrated. Great. Oh, it's the sausage one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and we've got uh, obviously the t- the title comes from the bear the bear pit. Yeah. Um, oh, so it's the bear. It is the bear pit episode, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Gendry finds out who he really is. Um, so yeah, it's going to be another interesting one. It doesn't. Is it? Is there a pivotal? Maybe it is the bear pit scene. Is, it is. is that like yeah, that? it's quite a big big set piece. Yeah good okay um Fab. yeah it looks it's interesting i would quite like obviously you know very democratic process but we've missed uh, the climb which is the one where they do scale the wall yeah. and i remember that being an amazing set great. piece um but yeah i mean it, this is a season where i feel like you could have done any three episodes and it would have been an amazing rewatch yeah so i might end up having to watch some more i think you know, same. I, just, I think same I think so too. I think mm. so too. But yeah, very, but very yeah, good. Really good episode. Loved it. I think it sets loads up. Um, it's just, it's great. I thought it was very long. It's not longer than usual, but it felt very That's what long. I mean. It just felt like, wow, this is just like, everything's kicking Have off. Have we here. got leading up to any Red Wedding precursors? Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, so there are, the, Rob is on his way to the twins for the what will then be the Red Wedding. <laughs> oh... Maybe when we watch it, it won't happen. Maybe, maybe something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. That is going to be amazing. Fab, fab, fab. Right. Uh, wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for listening. As ever, if you've got any comments to make, uh, do so. Uh, even the shitty ones. It's all. Yeah, we're a broad church. Uh, get onto YouTube at Dragoncast. Sure are. Dragoncast on YouTube or at Dragoncast underscore Pod on uh, on the old Twitters and let us know or, or just email dragoncast at daftdoris.com we did do a competition before Christmas actually to give away the box set of um, or season one of uh, House of the Dragon um, I will have a look through I think the first uh, correct answer we asked you what who was um, Davos Seaworth's son what was his what was the name uh, it was Mathos uh <laughs> well done thanks very much george for another easy to remember uh name <laughs> um it is between how does he come up oh with no uh he just changes a single letter doesn't he and just like that'll do yeah um it's between man of bronze 79 on youtube and someone on twitter i need to work out who was first you'd both look very very close so i find out if not we'll get in touch with either of you and let you know uh which one of you won um and we will be back uh, either tomorrow or the day after for a bonus episode of the OA, which we are re-watching. Oh, sorry, watching. I'm re-watching. Chris is watching for the first time. I'm watching it for the first time. We're now season one, episode Lost five, and that will be uh, that will be coming up uh, tomorrow. So, Chris, until then, Dracaris, my friend. Dracaris. 
If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. DragonCast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel and is a Daft Doris production. Drakkars. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.